Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. Well, not exactly, Jim Brangenberg. It's David Johnson sitting in, broadcasting today live. Tune in to the fastest hour in Christian talk radio. And a huge thank you today to Jose Cruz, who will be engineering the show today. And he'll be taking your calls live. As I mentioned, I am David Johnson filling in for the traveling, globetrotting Jim Brangenberg. It seems like he does this every time I'm on this show, Rod. What do you think? Always oh, globetrotting. I think that might be connected to your timing of being on the show. Maybe that's the only reason I'm here. I don't know. Uh, but that voice you hear in the background is our special guest today, Rod Thompson. We'll be talking with him. But I want to invite you, before we get to Rod today, I want you to check out the latest on the iWorkForHim.com site. Make sure while you're there that you prayerfully consider joining the iWorkForHim nation. Uh, simple to do it. Just opt in there on the website. Drop your email address in. And one of the things you'll do is we hope as you join the I work for him nation you'll start praying for your co-workers and your employees by name each and every day and that is one of the reasons that we're here every day on I work for him specifically so we can talk about how we as believers engage the workplace how do we bring the kingdom of God and what we are and who we are as Christ followers to bear on our businesses, on our working lives, on the day-to-day, the workplace, our mission field. And uh, I want you to see your workplace as your mission field because you and I are probably, perhaps, more than likely, the only Jesus that our coworkers and employees may ever meet. And of course, we hope that's not true, but in reality, it probably is true. Uh, Most of us still need a paradigm shift in our minds in order to see our workplace as our mission field. And uh, Romans 12, 2 talks about this. Jim reads this a lot. I'm going to read it today out of the New Living Translation. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so every single day at this time, we take a, a different approach to looking at the way you and I think about faith faith at work. And today, we have a very special opportunity to talk about how our faith impla- impacts not just our own workplace, but the marketplace as a whole. Um, you know, Rod, I love the, the ancient sort of Roman concept uh, of the marketplace, you know, the agora, as it was called in those days, right? Right. Uh, which is sort of the center of life. It, it, everything happened, you know, in the marketplace. Um, if there were, you know, political things going on, it was talked about in the marketplace. If it were, if it was business and commerce and all this sort of stuff. The agora was the Facebook of its time, in a sense. <laughs> it's true. It, it was the social media. It connected everybody all the time. People had to go to the market to get food. They, they had to go to get equipment. Um, they were always there. They didn't have a lot of storage facilities, so they're going to the market on a regular basis 
almost a daily basis. They're seeing each other. They're knowing each other. And they're spreading information. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because the gospel has always followed trade routes, right? Christianity spread across trade. Yep. And if it hadn't, if trade hadn't, you know, found its way across Europe, uh, you know, thank you, Roman Empire, That's for that. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> you know? I mean, the fact that uh, Christianity arose during the Roman Empire, which had created that vast transportation system throughout uh, Europe, North Africa, and, you know, Euro-Asia there, uh, it wouldn't have spread like it did at all. It was almost like it was a providential timing. It's true. And, you know, wherever the gospel has spread all over the earth— Conditions for people have improved. Economic conditions have improved largely. I mean, I'm painting with a broad brush, but I think you can you can see uh, conditions for women have improved wherever the gospel has gone. And so uh, it's an interesting thing today because we are one day before the election. And that's one of the things, uh, one of the reasons I invited you to join me today, Rod, because today is pre-election day here in the U.S. Now, I I realize there are listeners who will hear the show from all over the world, and we greet you, and we're glad that you're listening. But uh, you are also affected, wherever you are in the world, you're affected by what happens in the United States tomorrow. Um, we, We are electing a new president uh, one or the other of two will be chosen, most likely, unless a miracle occurs and one of the third-party candidates wins. Uh, That's not happening. Okay. So, uh, but Rod uh, Rod is with me. Rod Thompson has been here with me before. Uh, Rod is a published author, uh, great, uh, great history of journalism, th- uh, nearly 30 years in journalism. And today, I bring you on as the founder of the Revolutionary Act. And I... We're going to have an interesting conversation about the Revolutionary Act, and it's very, very relevant to the fact that we have an election here in the United States tomorrow. But before we do that, Rod, what's the Lord up to in your life? (laughs) It's like, how could I have not seen that one coming? Uh, By now, you should know. (laughs) Having been on Jim's show so many times, I'll tell you what. Um, I think a large part of it is being faithful with what's got what God has put in your hands. Um, You know, there's Mm. often that you know, well, what's in your hands? You know what are what can you be faithful with? I think there's the uh, there's the quote in the uh, Lord of the Rings when they're in the when they're down in the caves. If I can quote Lord of the, the Rings, Mines engine, of Moria. Oh, please, the Mines yeah, of Moria, yeah. um, where uh, Gandalf says, uh, it, it, "What matters is what are you going to do with the time you've been given." Boy, that always strikes me. You know, because we have such a limited time. We have eternity past. We have eternity future. We have this little tiny little droplet of time in which we determine so much of eternity future for us. And so it matters a great deal with what we do at that time. What has God put in our hands to do? Who has he put us with in the, in the marketplace, in the business place, in the workplace, in the family, in the neighborhood? Um, who has he put us with? What has he given us to do? That is what we need to do to be faithful and to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Boy, powerful stuff. And by the way, if you're looking for that quote, you have to look for it in the minds of Moria in the movies. But it is at Frodo's house in the book earlier much earlier in the book that's a true lord of the rings geek (laughs) (laughs) yep all right so we're going to talk about stewardship actually being a steward of what's in our hands and when what our hands find to be responsible for is a big part of what we're going to be talking about today because we have an election in the united states tomorrow want to thank you for listening here in tampa bay and around the world we're talking with our special guest rod thompson and we've got a fantastic pre-election day conversation to have Uh, and rod i am excited to have you on because the first time we've been uh, on together since you founded the revolutionary act uh, which we'll be talking about but before we get there let's do this i i feel like as believers as christ followers as people who are endeavoring to as you were just talking about right do with what we've been given 
the that which we are supposed to do right, <laughs> right? Yes, you know yes. we have a responsibility Can't believe you got yourself out of that sentence but you did it was complicated wasn't <laughs> yes. it yeah it was unnecessarily a complicated <laughs> sentence uh, but we're yeah we're responsible for for uh, uh, you know stewarding that which we've been given time talents resources mm-hmm. treasure uh, of all sorts uh, and our families obviously as believers we understand you know rod you're a father i'm a father we're husbands um you know so you you have a responsibility to your spouse to your children uh you have economic responsibility we have all these responsibilities right and as believers we know that uh we're ultimately going to give an answer for for how we handle what we've been given right and so i'm fascinated because when i look at at at, uh, at the political scene a lot of times people feel like i hear this I don't want to say a lot of times because a lot of my closest friends are what I call loudmouth and obnoxious. <laughs> you know, I have some of those. You have some of those. I am one of those sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I believe me, I applaud them for it. I, I, I mean, there's nothing like being, you know, vocal. Um, and 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 sometimes that's good for gaining influence, and sometimes not. So, I mean, I'm not necessarily in favor of being loudmouth and vocal just to do it. If right. you're if you're not actually influencing in anybody, you know, it's like <laughs> if nobody's following you, you're not actually a leader. So, uh, you know, leadership is a big part of that. But let, let's talk about maybe people that don't consider themselves interested in, in, in the political situation so much. One of the things that I hear is, eh, you know, I'm not sure Jesus would want us spending a lot of time on, on politics. I don't think he wants us to, to, to have a voice. And, and as an example for that, they might even look at the life of Jesus, right? He lived and carried out his public ministry over a three-year span or thereabouts uh, during the time of Rome. The Jews, the people he was ministering to that he spent all his time with, were under tremendous political and economic oppression. They were enslaved more or less to the Roman empire whose, you know, armies had come in and taken over. And so they had to be subservient to a brutal government. And uh, in fact, we'll read a scripture in a minute that was written during the time of Nero, who was the, the, the Roman emperor, a, a particularly brutal Roman emperor. Right. And yet Jesus didn't really say a whole lot about the government. You know, most of the scriptures that he said uh, were uh, like talking to centurions and stuff. Basically, be honest about what you do. Um, you know, don't wrong others, etc. He did, however, have a couple of opportunities. At one point, he's talked about in the prophecy about him that the government shall be upon his shoulders. Absolutely. But he said, um, he was trying, when the Pharisees were trying to trick him on a tax question, um, his answer was, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but unto the God what is God's. And he said, look at your money. I mean, who's on, who's, whose face is on the coin, right? right exactly. Yeah. And so basically it was setting that up to say, you basically give to Caesar what is Caesar's, whatever, but you give to God what is God's. Now, we take that and we sometimes we just make that in the most narrow way. We're talking about taxes, which obviously, clearly we should all pay our taxes. You know, honestly, whether you like them, what they're used for or not, I'm sure that they didn't then like what they were used for. Well, unless there's a legal means to. of avoiding them, right? You know? A legal means, yes. Um, so... So anyway, but I think that that scripture can be employed in a broader way. Okay. Render unto the government what is the government's. And in our day and age, the government, our government is a participatory government. The concept wasn't around then. They were all dictators. It was a government of the strongest, by the strongest, and for the strongest. Now we have what is a, ours is a representative democracy. Ours in the is United a, States, yeah. Yes. And so we have a form of a democracy here. And that means that it's participatory and, and we are... Actually, I believe because of that and a number of other scriptures you might get to, we are actually supposed to be involved with politics. Like anything, not overly so, but we're supposed to be involved with politics because politics, our politicians, politicians 
are what set the policy and run the direction of the government. The government is upon his shoulders. God puts us in a time and place in which we are under a government which asks us and wants us to be participatory. Therefore, I think Scripture clearly supports us participating in government and therefore politics. All right. Well, that was kind of an interesting, thorough argument there. I wasn't expecting you to be quite so thorough. It's been a great show. Okay. Good. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so the government being on his shoulders is a, is, a, is a passage from Isaiah, I think chapter 9, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like you said, it's a prophecy about Jesus. And, and I think that you could certainly interpret that um, prophecy about him. Uh, as as being one that doesn't necessarily refer to civil earthly government, like political type government. In other words, uh, Jesus never did ascend to the throne. I mean, the the disciples certainly expected him to. They were looking for a Messiah who would come along, and he was gonna bring down the Roman army or the Roman government and 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 elevate the nation of Israel back to its rightful place on top of the universe. And the, they would have a king again, and he would be, it would just be like Dave King David all over again. The, the, right. the fantastic, but that never happened. No. So the government that, uh, that, that is it fair? Do you think to interpret the government when we say the government is going to be on his shoulders in that prophecy, do you think it's fair to talk about that in terms of civil government or political government? Absolutely. I think probably not going to the root, um, Hebrew in that case sure. of it, um, I, I think is probably the only real way to interpret it because the only government I'm aware of in heaven is the Trinity. Okay. Um, and so that's pretty much self-explanatory. So when you're talking about government, the translation for it is, in, is government. In any translations I've seen, it's always government. It seems to me that that would be referring to earthly government. I think part of that, however, also is to alert us to the reality that we can trust in him um, for that government. So even in our case, we do everything that we feel we are responsible to do. But whoever wins tomorrow is ultimately um, an authority from God then, which we'll be getting to later, I think. But ultimately, it is that. And so that government then is upon his shoulders, and we can rest in peace as believers in that truth. Okay, well, let's do this. Let's dive in, because there's, there's a couple of scriptures that we that we certainly bring up. I think you were thinking of one in Romans, which I don't have pulled up in front of me yet, so we'll do that later. First Timothy chapter 2, Paul is writing to Timothy. This is a letter. Of course, we know how these letters got, got sent. People read them. Timothy probably read this letter aloud to all of the people that he could find, and they made copies, and it was spread all over the place. So it wasn't just like a letter from one guy to another. It was a letter that sort of communicated something much bigger. Right. And Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, I've got the NIV here. He said, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority— that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And there's this, you know, in the context of the bigger chapter, it goes on. I will say he, d- he does say this is good and pleases God, our savior, right. who wants all people to be saved or rescued and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And then it, it does go on. So Paul's ur- urging to Timothy at that time wasn't, Hey, uh, go take over the government. He wasn't saying, you know, march because into Rome. That, that was not the um, how government was, you know, done. It wasn't the, how the Christian would interact with government at that point. It was obviously in this place, uh, prayers, petitions, intercessions, thanksgiving um, for those in authority over you. Obviously kings because they were the highest, um, but then all those below that in authority over you. So, um but, but you should give the context of what was going okay, on yeah. in the yeah, Roman Nero. Empire. Let's talk the, about Nero. Yes. Yeah, do it. <laughs> well, I mean, Nero was one of the most bloodthirsty of the emperors of Rome. Um, the persecution of the Christians, he just enjoyed, it seemed. I mean, we won't go into the details.
details on the radio, but it was bloody and it was awful. It was horrible. Think ISIS, basically, in many ways. Truly. Think ISIS. Yeah. Um, that's how Nero was treating Christians. It was in that atmosphere, of that point in history, that um, Paul writes this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to Timothy. And he doesn't, he doesn't say, uh, he doesn't communicate in some way to Timothy that you have a responsibility to change the government over you, the political government. Mm-mm. He merely, he, it's almost like the posture that, that, that says we're kind of at the mercy of this government. And so because that's true, we're going to have to do an end around here and pray and ask God to allow for us to live the kind of peaceful lives. Right, because that government did not invite its subjects to be a part of it or to direct it in any way, as opposed to our government, which does invite and asks and strongly asks and encourages us to be a part of it. So you have such you have extreme dichotomies in the types of government. Truly. So if you were a believer in the time of Nero and you wanted to have a different government, you could ask God, that would be option A, mm-hmm. <laughs> do yeah. something to change his heart, right? right? Which happened later with Constantine. Yes. Or B, uh, organize a group of people who would have a bloody revolt and overthrow the government. Right. I mean, you had you had you had two choices, right? Right. And so Paul wasn't encouraging Timothy at all that hey, we're responsible to transform this government. Instead, we're going to pray and we're going to ask for space to do what we're supposed to do without government intrusion too much. Yeah. Right? Wouldn't you say that's no, a fair? Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Yeah. I think that it brings up it brings up some other interesting possibilities that we can get to. Yeah, and we'll do that. And and we've got, believe me, we have a lot more to come today on the I Work For Him show. I'm your guest host, David Johnson, filling in for Jim Brangenberg. And our guest today is Rod Thompson of TheRevolutionaryAct.com. I want to thank you for listening today in Tampa Bay and around the world. We're in our pre-election day special episode. You know, there was something scheduled for us to talk about today, Rod. It was something about self-promotion, I guess because I'm a marketing guy. <laughs> Yes. I thought this would be better. Yes. I thought this would be more and much more relevant since since we have a big election tomorrow. And I still know people who are maybe not, eh, I'm not, I'm not going to go vote. I'm not going to go vote. Well, I, there's, a, there's a couple of categories of people like that. <clears throat> one, is those, one are those that just simply, number one, they don't think it matters. Number two, they're disgusted by this particular election cycle. Um, and, and the last, I don't know, five or six. Or maybe, maybe the last right. five or six, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there are those that actually have a, a uh, Christian um, precept on this. I've had a couple of friends, uh, Christian friends in the past, who believed that, as, that, they, that we are, as Christians, citizens of heaven, not of the world, and therefore we should not be entangling ourselves with earthly governments. I think we've sort of debunked that um, in the first uh, couple segments, um, but, but that thinking is out there. I just don't think it's actually supportable in the, in the broad uh, role of Scripture within, you know, yeah. again, within the proper balances. Now, I think, I think we could frame the question this way. You know, when you look at the New Testament, you look at the life of Jesus, you have very, very little to say overall about the government. Right. Which in itself, whenever uh, Scripture does not address something in any detail or whatsoever— there's a reason for that also. Yes, yeah, silence is a message. It is. Yeah, and we should pay attention to that. So, And that's why I bring it up, because actually the fact that Jesus didn't say much about the political government at the time is kind of a, an interesting detail. It is, because he had opportunity. That's the point with a couple of the centurions, um, also regarding pacifism. Um, he could have told them to lay down their weapons, whatever. He didn't. He was always talking to them about being responsible and faithful and doing the right things. Um, he had opportunity uh, with the with the taxation issue. He had a number of opportunities to um, be strong on how we should uh, handle 
government and he did not take them and obviously that's on purpose it is or he did not take them in a way that was recorded for all of us but I, I feel like if it had been significant, it would have been. It would have been right. So Clearly. you know, had he done? And we talked a moment ago. We read the scripture. Paul told Timothy, "Pray for those in authority, and, and especially so that we can have the opportunity to live out peaceful lives." And 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 more or less, I mean, if we paraphrase that passage, it's so that we can do what God called us to do. Right. You know, without the government stopping us. And we know there are many governments that are oppressive governments toward Christianity around the world, uh, in, both in history and today. And so there are places where people who are believers like we are can't sit down and have a conversation in public, much less on the radio right. uh, or on television about our faith. Right. And so we're grateful we don't live in a place like that. But let's talk about the difference between the role of a believer, a Christ follower today in the United States of America versus maybe a first century believer that lived in Rome. What is the difference that uh, a belie- in terms of the role, the responsibility of the believer. Right. So the responsibility of the b- believer, I think, in first century Rome is spelled out very clearly uh, in Timothy. That's precisely what they were able to do and capable of doing and had a responsibility and duty to do. Um, they could not impact Roman policy in Judea. They couldn't affect anything like that. But they could basically stay under the radar, not ruffle feathers, not, you know, uh, foment rebellion, those sorts of things. But if they live peaceably with others and are living an example that's peaceable, then they have the opportunity then to speak the truth of the gospel to others and their lives are an example to others, which is often a beacon towards Christ. And we need to do all of those things with respect to influencing others by being an example and living out a certain way of life today as believers. Right. As Christ followers, we all aim to do that. Right. However... It says government of the people, by the people, and for the people, Mm -hmm. which means that the actions of, say, a U.S. president, a U.S. senator, House of Representatives, member of the House of Representatives, all the way down to someone at uh, on uh, in government at the local level. Right. If they're a city county commissioner, if yep. they're on the mosquito board. I was in the Keys over the weekend, and there was an ad uh, for their election down there. Somebody was running for the uh, mosquito board, and they said, "We need some fresh blood." Boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, we have uh, we have all of those actions that those uh, officials, those elected officials, take are in part our responsibility. Because we are the people who elect them. No, that's exactly right. And so I think that it is true in our relationship with the government, um, just as it's it's true in any sort of uh, communication sense with others, that I really deeply believe that we as believers, as Christians, should never yield the field um, over to the enemy, over to the devil, if that field has unbelievers on it or other souls on it at all. I believe we should always be engaged there. That's why we are in the world, but not other world. We're always there. I think if we say, no, I'm not going to um, do X, Y, Z at all. We can't do that universally. That might be fine for you as an individual. That would be between you and God. But there wouldn't be a doctrinal place, say, for, I'm going to say this, not touching social media, never being on social media. I'm not saying that everybody has to be. You might individually decide Right. I should not be. I don't believe I should be. That's fine. But to say doctrinally Christians shouldn't be, I think, then gives all of social media over to the enemy, which would be a a crushing loss of souls. Especially because there's all sorts of influence being wielded. Uh, and and if that influence is being seeded over, it's like what, what happened in this country. I mean, if we rewind the clock about 50 years. 
there were t- there was a time when licenses for radio broadcasts, like you know these these, these radio stations that that we're on today, have licenses associated with them. Right. Not everybody can just crank up a, a you know a, a large power source and a transmitter and start cranking out stuff. Right. You 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 have to have a license to do that. Same thing with television. Uh, often these were being given away by the government to anybody who would step up and say, "I will transmit something." Right. And about that time, uh, Christians. I wasn't alive. But Christians that were alive at that time. Well, I was alive then, but I wasn't a Christian. I'm not blaming you, Rob. (laughs) Uh, I am blaming some of our forebears, though, because they said, oh... That box is of right. the devil, right. you know. Right. It's that it's that evil thing over there, and we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Not only should we not have one, but, but we know that Christians shouldn't actually be, you know, on those things. Right. And so we, like we've done uh, in many other spheres of society, we sort of said we're going to go stand in the corner and let all this other stuff happen, and then the world dominates it. Yeah. And then the world dominates the message, dominates the use of the technology, whatnot. I think that Christians need to be far more open and proactive than that. Um, because otherwise, we, we simply become um, a, a little ghettoized version of what we should be, um, the dominant version in the culture. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's an old saying about being a, a thermometer versus being a thermostat, right? You, right? you know, one reports what's going on and the other one changes it. Right. And as believers, we are empowered in the United States. And if you're listening to this show, either in the United States or in any place where you, you have representative government, then you have a similar responsibility to have an impact on how things go. And so if you're if you're going to bear the responsibility for something, don't you want to have a voice? Don't you want to use the voice that you've been given? Absolutely. And Rod, this goes back to the to the, the to the moment at the beginning of the show today when I asked you what, what the Lord was up to in your life. You said, "Hey, we've got to do what what we can with what we've been given." Right. We, and we are and everybody is given something. And that's something I think that that's something we forget sometimes in our sort of somewhat hierarchical way in the church where you have ministry and you have laymen and you have these different, you know, segregations and I'm all. an official pew warmer. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I'm just here to write a check to the pros. That's not actually the way it's supposed to be at all. We Truly. might need to support ministries out there for people that are doing stuff for the kingdom that don't where that does not in any way generate income. But we all are supposed to be, we, we all have things that have been put in our hands, often people who have been put in our hands. Most often. Are exactly right, because right. that's what Jesus was most interested in, his people. You know, and so, and so actually, back to our point, the form of government that we have can impact our ability to reach people with the gospel. So when you are in a country like the old Soviet Union or East Germany, something like that, um, China today, where it is, it is crushed, is crushed. There is, it's very difficult to get the truth out about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whereas in an open culture, we have full opportunity to. And it bothers me a great deal that in a country where we have the total opportunity so far to be able to speak openly and freely about Jesus Christ, too many of us Jesus followers don't do it. We're too comfortable with other things. And we live our lives the way we live our lives. And sometimes that means we're trying to pay the bills and we're trying to, you know, keep the business afloat. We, we and we're all trying have to do... that going, don't we? Absolutely. But we also cannot use as an excuse that, hey, Lord, I was trying to, you know, keep food on, on the table and keep clothes on my kids. And that's why I let the government and the country go to pot on my watch. Right. And why I didn't talk to my neighbors, my friends, and my coworkers about the truth of Jesus Christ. So we've been talking today as a pre-election day, special edition of I Work For Him. Tomorrow's the big day. 
And uh, we've got just a few minutes left on today's show, Rod. So let's talk about it. We've been talking about the role of the believer, the responsibility uh, that we have because we are a government in this country anyway and in many uh, other representative government-type countries around the world. We as believers are responsible for what our governments do, along with everybody else, of course. I mean, we may not we, we may not be responsible for every single action in the sense that uh, we, we could do something about every single thing. However, if we sit at home or we don't get up to speed on the issues— and we're ignorant of what's going on and we don't actually vote or we, you know, one of the things that happens a lot of times is people go vote and they stand there at the ballot box and here is a big, you know, thing at the top and we're voting for a president. And then there's 47 other offices being, you yeah, know, and four state amendments and three local county uh, amendments and, and then fresh blah, blah, blah. blood for the mosquito board like we were talking about before. So, so, uh, is it is it is it okay to just show up in the in the in the in the ballot booth and and uh, and pencil in your selection for president and leave the rest blank? Uh, well, it's better than guessing at the rest. But I think, <laughs> but I do think that we have a responsibility, um, you know, to be informed voters. As as believers, I think we have a responsibility to be informed voters. And you know that people inform themselves in different ways. Sometimes they just use trusted sources and they understand that. Um, some really want to dig into each person and each issue themselves and they want to understand it that way. But I think we have a responsibility. I have I've said for a lot of years and gotten in a lot of trouble for it. Um, but I believe it's I believe it's right. If you are not informed and you're just gonna vote, you know, R or D because you have for generations or Whatever it might be, you don't really know what you like the way somebody sounds. You just don't know the issues, but you're supposed to vote. And the legal women voters and everybody else is saying, vote, vote, vote. I, what I'm saying is, don't vote. What? I know. I know. And I've got a, a lot Christian, of trouble. On a Christian radio show, you say don't vote? Don't vote if you are uninformed. So, I, we only want informed voters because a lot of us spend a lot of time trying to get the right choice. And it's a little bit frustrating to think somebody wanders in off the street and cancels out that vote. <laughs> it's so true. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to say it's never happened to me. But some believers have been known to wander into the ballot box, realize what's going on. There's some things in there that they didn't remember. We're going to be on. And by the way, you should have a sample ballot uh, so you can see exactly what it looks like. And if you don't, look into it. Just check it out online. There are plenty of places. Even Facebook and Google have both been notifying me. Here's a way to go check out your ballot before you you know, end oh, yeah. up in the box, which I think is... Everybody get, should get it mailed to them if you, if you, yeah, help, absolutely. Um, if you voted in the past. But uh, you, know, you walk in and you find something on there that's kind of a gotcha. You're like, oh, I didn't know about that one. Right. And so you do the quick, oh, dear Lord, what should I, you know, uh, please help me. Which which one should I choose? Yeah. And you expect the Lord to speak to you right there in the, in the ballot box. Yeah. Well, and, miracles happen, but. Right. But I will say, however, and this comes from somebody who, who spent a life practically in politics and still is deeply involved with it. You can get far enough down ballot to where you just don't know. And it happens here because we have judges for retention on the ballot. That's true. Those are those are sometimes tricky. Oh, my gosh. Those are tricky. And so those are where, you know, you either. You go to a reliable source, a source you trust to have vetted the judges or don't vote on them. Okay, so maybe skip a thing or two if you if you aren't aware. Of I don't here's think, the deal. I don't think that's the, the end of the world in right. a long ballot. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. But here's the deal: it, it is almost four p.m. on Monday, where we sit here on November the seventh in the United States. Tomorrow, Tuesday, November eighth is election day, and uh, in the Eastern Time Zone, anyway, ballot. Uh, I think the, the the voting closes at seven p.m. So yes. you you have twenty. Seven hours, if my math is is uh, not failing me here. You have about twenty seven hours to cure your ignorance, 
<laughs> use the tools at your disposal. It's not like it's it's hard. There's a top secret website you can use. <laughs> this is this is a huge secret. A lot of people do That's not right, you know. You need to have the password. Yeah, and it's spelled G O. <laughs> O-G-L-E.com, and you can learn about all this. Now, here's the deal. You know, uh, there are a lot of websites out there and a lot of places that uh, they, they put up content specifically so that they can either, uh, you know, influence you or perhaps even mislead you into voting a certain way. Sure. And so, um, you know, one of the things that we need to do is maybe not the day before an election, uh, establish some trusted, uh, verifiable sources where we feel comfortable about what... Uh, is being shown to us and right. whether whether we can rely on the information or not. If if you are listening to this station, you may be comfortable with Bill Bunkley's um, because I believe I, I actually helped him in previous election cycles um, with information. And um, I believe that he provides a list of um, candidates that he supports and all. Fantastic. All right. Well, so, uh, you know, and he'll be on next. So, there you, you, know, go, you know, I'm sure he he'll can correct that if it's wrong. I'm sure he'll be talking <laughs> about the uh, the election tomorrow as well. I'm, I'm, I'm confident that'll be on. And, and, and if not, he's, he's been talking about it a lot lately, I'm sure. And, and, you know, here in Florida, and I know not all of our listeners are from Florida, but here in Florida, we have these constitutional amendments on the on the ballot. And what's funny is a lot of people will will, uh, you know, Take the time to tease out what this one does and what it means. And, and a lot of times the language is funny and it doesn't mean what it sounds like. Language can be totally misleading. But in, in, in one minute or less, Rod, why should we vote no on all of these stupid amendments? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the first one is the solar amendment, which sounds kind of nice, except it's already the case um, in the legislature. And it tweaks it in a way that's very beneficial to the utilities. Um, so um, there's actually bipartisan opposition all right, but I'm, but I'm 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 talking at a more fundamental oh, level. Oh, fundamental in thirty level? seconds or less, why should we less? fundamentally because vote no none of it. these should be in the Constitution? Every single one of these issues is easily solvable in the legislature. And the problem with a lot of constitutional amendments in Florida, anyway, even though we've increased it to sixty percent threshold, is that they are put on there to bypass the legislature. They can't get what they want. But you do not want in your founding document. Things like the size of pig crates, which we truly have. And it's so bad. It's so bad. We, you know, legislators and attorneys are terrible at making laws. People are even worse. Uh, <laughs> we're on the eve of the United States presidential election tomorrow. Uh, here as we sit, as we're talking live, I know some of you listen uh, on a time-shifted manner, so a lot of what we're saying may not apply to you in the sense that uh, there's a, there's an election to vote in. But if you are listening live right now, then you know you still have about 27 hours to find out what you need to find out so that you can head to the uh, voting booth tomorrow and cast your vote. We've been talking, Rod, about our responsibility. Our guest today, Rod Thompson from the Revolutionary Act. Rod, we've been talking about our responsibility as believers, the fact that this government is a government of the people, by the people, for the people. We are responsible responsible for what our elected officials do in this country and therefore we need to show up yeah we do we need to show up we need to be engaged we need to be informed and i think um voting is certainly an integral part of that but i actually think there's a lot more to it i think that um you know christians with the with the right motivations and attitudes running for office uh is a good and honorable thing um are you saying some of our listeners might actually need to run for office maybe so actually very possibly so they ought to at least put it before the lord and not rule it out I agree with you, and uh, I I think that um, a lot of us m may have not considered that. You know, we we just might think, well, you know, it might be something you know that somebody else does. But I've got more important things to do. But you know, at the end of the day, if God's called you to do something and you haven't bothered to check in uh, as to whether or not it might be something you're called to do, uh, then that could be a problem. I uh, I want to draw attention to this George Orwell quote. <laughs> 
Um, George Orwell is, is said to have said, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. And uh, a few months ago, I listened to, because I'm, I'm an Audible user, so I was listening to 1984, and it had been many, many years since I read George Orwell's book, 1984. You're reading it right now. I am. I'm reading it in an actual book form. Yeah, you're doing it like ink on, on dead trees, right? So, I am. Yeah, so uh, very quickly, what made you springboard off of that quote to do what you've done? I've been watching for years as I feel like political correctness has been crippling the conversation uh, in our country. There's a lot of deceit that comes, whether from the media or from the culture, from Hollywood, from academia. There's a lot of ways in which the truths that we once held to be foundational and fundamental um, are now glossed over or you can't talk about them at all. Um, political correctness kind of puts chains around the conversation um, and enslaves us to speaking about things in a way that does not actually reveal truth. So. Um, when I saw that, I'd been considering starting a blog along those lines to start, you know, the conversation. And I've been bugging you, you to start. You are <laughs> one of the best writers I know, and I know you've written columns for newspapers. You've been an editor. You've been a managing editor. You've you've had a lot of, and you've written books. But um, I feel like you have so many great things to say, and we don't always end up at the same conclusions about everything, but I always appreciate your thought process. Well, I appreciate that, and, and we don't need to always end up at the same place, but we need to, I think, have a rational, logical, foundational, well-defended position, and that's what the Revolutionary Act is actually intended to do, is to take a conversation, have an honest conversation. We have a lot of problems in the country. I think we all agree on that. This election is highlighting that. And so... Um, to actually be able to solve those problems means we need to be able to talk about them honestly. And that's what I'm hoping and endeavoring to do with the Revolutionary Act. Well, you're doing a great job. I know it just launched not long ago. And so mm -hmm. our listeners who are, are, are tuned in today or even in the future, if you're listening on a podcast or time delayed after the fact, go check out therevolutionaryact.com. I want to encourage you to fill out the box. There's a box on the right where you can subscribe, put in your name and email address, and you can find out. Uh, and you can check out what Rod's been writing about. A lot of really, really interesting stuff. So, Rod, thank you for being a part of the show thank today. You, I appreciate that. We're uh, we're at the end of another I Work For Him show. I want to thank you for listening today. A big, huge thank you uh, to Jose for his support today and for handling the controls with precision and taking the calls. Also, thank you to all of the sponsors of the I Work For Him show. You can find out about uh, them, a lot more information about them and us, at iworkforhim.com. When you get home today, please go check out the website. Consider joining the I Work For Him nation. Our workplace is our mission field. You may be the only Jesus people ever meet. You've been listening to I Work For Him. I'm your guest host, David Johnson. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.